This episode is dedicated to Joe Salcetti and Bill Naylor, two legends in Cardinal basketball officiating who had over 40 years experience with our association. May they rest in peace. And welcome back, everyone, to the Inadvertent Whistle podcast. It's It's been a little while, and we're excited to be here. We're excited that you're joining in, all six of you. And uh, I, I wanted to just uh, maybe give everybody an idea of who we are in case we have any new listeners or listener. And so, Adam, what you been up to the last year? What, what What's going on, buddy? First, I'm sorry, did you say all six? Did our uh, listenership double in uh, the last year that I'm unaware of? Um, but welcome back, everybody. We're glad to be with you. It has been a while. Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, a lot of baseball, quite honestly, over the last uh, eight months. Both my kids playing Little League Baseball, playing All-Stars over the summertime. And then uh, this fall, I actually got into umpiring some baseball uh, with my son, who who umpired some of the minor leagues and had a, had a great time. And maybe I'll, I'll share a story about um, his now love of, of at least umpiring. Um, but for those of you that don't uh, know us, I'll tell you just a quick uh, little bit about myself. I've been a member of Cardinal Basketball for oh, probably 30-something years now. Um, I did some refereeing at the collegiate level at some point. Uh, did Division One men's basketball for about a dozen years or so in the Ivy Patriot, the, um, uh, the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the Northeast Conference, and the America East. Um, I'm a homegrown Cardinal basketball official, um, have been uh, involved in the leadership for quite some time, served on the board of directors, uh, did a stint as a president of the association about uh, I don't know, 10 or so years ago, and I'm the only idiot to do it a second time around. I'll be completing my uh, second stint as president this April or so, April or May, um, have been involved with what for about a dozen about 10 years the virginia high school league started a an evaluation camp for officials who were trying to get to the state tournament and i directed that for about 10 years in conjunction with the virginia high school league uh, and that was a lot of fun helping get that off the ground and, and getting new officials opportunities uh, at the state tournament so you know officiating basketball is, is a lifelong uh, love of mine. I started it back in college as an, as an intramural official. Um, and it's kind of a family affair for us as well, because uh, that's how I met my wife. Uh, she was uh, a, a, an applicant in Cardinal basketball. and We got to know each other, became friends. And lo and behold, uh, what, 15 years later, we're, you know, uh, two kids, a dog, no picket fence, but, um, you know, we're having a lot of fun with basketball. We have a lot of fun with other sports. So we're just happy to be back and uh, trying to entertain all three of you out there in podcast land. And so I, I think the other thing that uh, you bring to the table that not a lot of people understand is you come from an athletic administrative background, having been the athletic director at Georgetown, as well as the associate athletic director at George Mason. So for the listeners, sometimes you'll be able to bring in some some tidbits of information from behind the scenes that we're not thinking about. So a little bit about myself. This is my 30th year of refereeing. Uh, I started in IBO board 12, which is the Washington DC board. And uh, through marriage, moved to Virginia, 
and have been a member of the Cardinal Basketball Officials Association for the past 15 years. I think this is my 15th year. And uh, I spent 13 years of refereeing uh, college basketball at the Division II and Division III level. I had one game at the Division I level, an exhibition game where nobody was allowed in attendance because it was the Lithuanian national team. But that's a different story for another day. Um, I really focused on high school. And at this point in my life, I'm just more interested in helping others get to their goals. And I want to make sure that I can give them the resources, provide them the introductions, get them in front of the right people, um, assuming that they are ready for this, and then let them shine if they can. So uh, I work uh, really hard at trying to make sure that we provide great training and develop our officials. I'm also one of the chaplains. We created a chaplain team for uh, this association. And so I've been uh, the, the chaplain for our association, which uh, we have four members that are ordained in the ministry that helps support those that are in need. I want to give a shout out to Referee Magazine for doing an article on us this past year. And um, it's really a, it's a labor of love and something that we really uh, enjoy doing. So um, besides that, I am going into full-time ministry now. I have a, a sales background of 25 plus years of being in sales in a variety of different capacities and, and areas. And so uh, I've made the choice that there's more to life and why not, why not have a second career that you have to start with perfection and get better, just like basketball officiating. Everybody expects you to be perfect and get better. And I think the same thing is for ministries. You know, we have to uh, we have that expectation that, that we need to be better um, every day and that we're not human. So, uh, Hey, Scott, speaking yeah. about perfect, after that Lithuanian game that you did, were we still allies with Lithuania? Uh, no, I don't think we were, but it's interesting. I worked that game, um, and it was an exhibition game with Vidmantis Petritus, and that name may be familiar to those locally because it's the dad of – Gidmanis Petritus, known as G, who's an NBA referee. I was actually Vidmantis' mentor in Board 12. So um, he was a guest referee as part of this four-person crew. Um, but it, it did count as a Division One game. I got a nice check. I was excited, at least a nice check for, you know, back in 2005. But I will tell you a funny story about this, this exhibition game. It was the, I got home and my neighbor said, how did George Mason look? And I said, they they'll be lucky to win half their games that year. And that's the year they went to the final four. So quite an interesting. Just to show game. you a lot we know about who's going to win and who's going to lose games. Exactly right. Right. Yep. So Adam, what, what have you been up to the last year? I mean, obviously, you know, with COVID has really changed things and how we do things. You've been really involved in, in a lot of the, the behind the scenes stuff with the counties and stuff, but, you want to talk anything about that or anything else you've been doing the last year? No, I just think that, um, you know, we were fortunate here in Northern Virginia to work with the, the three larger school systems that we work with are, are Fairfax County, Loudoun County and Arlington County um, comprising, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 schools. And the, the, just the relationship that we've built with them over the years, our current uh, assigner is, is Doug DeVault, and he followed in the footsteps of Cecil Hurst, who still helps Doug um, as an assistant. But those two have developed such incredible relationships. 
uh, with uh, the counties um, and the schools. And even going into the, the COVID season, you know, starting um, later in the year with all the protocols we had, um, you know, we, like probably many other places, had a shortage of officials. We came back. Um, we went to two-person for all of our varsity games. We've been doing three for I don't even know how many years now at the varsity level. It's been probably 15 at least. Um, and so just that, it actually brought out, I think, the best in the relationships between officials and our association and the schools just to work together to make sure we brought the game back uh, doing it for the kids. I mean, we're all in this at the, particularly at the high school level. We do it because we love it, not because we're making a lot of money. Um, and so I think there, you know, that was a silver lining to the cloud of COVID. Um, and right now, as we speak on what November 15th, I think is today, um, you know, knock wood, you know, knock on the desk. For those of you that, you know, can't see us, which is all, all of you um, knocking my head. Uh, that this season will be much closer to normal uh, than in the past. Um, you know, we'll still have some protocols with masks and social distancing, uh, but the game is going to look and sound like a normal game. Uh, I think 90, I think we said 93% of our nights we're going to do three person for varsity crews or for varsity games. Uh, we have five heavy nights where we'll probably look at, at two-person crews at this point. So, you know, again, the, just the work with the counties has been, um, I think, the bonus to the, the tough times of COVID, uh, making sure we're all doing this for the right reasons, the same reasons, and it's just enhanced the relationships. Hey, and you bring something up there, Adam, I think is really important, is that there are a number of officials that are opting out. And this, the stress and strain that that puts on an association, we're not saying that they shouldn't opt out. Everybody has to make their own individual decisions. But I think it's important for everyone to remember that just because you're signed up doesn't mean everybody else is signed up and it may impact things. And I think if I could put my, uh, my commissioner's hat on for Doug and just make an announcement for him and any other commissioner out there, really, really important to be more available, as available as you can be. Obviously, we don't want you to overdo it and get injured, but I think it's really, really important for the assigners that are out there to be able to have as much help as they can possibly get. And um, so I think that would be an important thing to share as well. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Adam. No, and I'd say it's obviously not uh, exclusive to basketball. Uh, I've been to a couple of high school football games this fall, and they have a shortage of referees. Uh, I know in baseball, um, in NVTV, I was in Northern Virginia Travel Baseball League, shortage of umpires. Um, so it, it's a national trend. Um, it's unfortunate, but I think that's also a trend just in generally in society. I mean, there aren't many places I go to that don't have help on signs outside. Um, so again, I think that, that collaboration that we have with the schools, particularly as regards to scheduling, trying to spread games out over the course of the week, um, helps us. It helps us in particular to go back to three at the varsity level because I think like any other officiating group nowadays, we probably skew to the older age groups in terms of a, an average age of our membership. Uh, I know that's true with football, having spoken with some folks in, in leadership roles in, in football associations. I think it's true with us. And so it 
going back to three at the varsity level is going to keep people around more, uh, keep them officiating longer. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing for the game. Uh, so. That's good. So this past year for me, I, I've just been doing a lot of classwork. I've been in seminary, uh, <laughs> learning a lot of things about, you know, just the, uh, the Bible and church history and polity and, and doctrine and everything else. And uh, I've still been doing a lot of trainings. I think most people will enjoy the fact that there's opportunities to use technology and to use Zoom and other, uh, you know, pieces like uh, Microsoft Teams, which I know Adam and I are not a big fan of, but it, it's a something that's used out there. There's YouTube, there's there's plenty of other things that are used out there. And um, I also had the chance to present for IBO for their uh, fall meeting that they had uh, this this uh, past fall. And I want to give, again, um, a shout out to the IBO uh, organization for 100 years. But they just do great, great work with training. And so, you know, for Donnie and Felix and all those guys that are over there, I want to say uh, congratulations on uh, a job well done. Adam and I are both IBO members uh, here in Cardinal, which uh, is really a, a group run by the Virginia High School League. Um, but we have members that can opt in for IBO. So um, it's been a it's been a, a, an interesting off year for sure. Yeah, Scott. If I could just add one thing about the technology, and you know, I'm not the most technologically uh, savvy individual. Um, but the work that you and Mike Preston, our interpreter, who, by the way, is the best interpreter uh, in the continental United States, um, the work that you guys have done to bring training virtually, I think is, again, another silver lining to the cloud of COVID because we get more people engaged, I think, than would normally show up to an association meeting. Again, we're, for those of you who don't know Northern Virginia, um, it's a pretty large territory and our traffic is pretty bad. And so if somebody has to drive an hour to a meeting uh, for an hour meeting and then an hour home, that's three hours every night. They might not come or they might find a reason to do something different. Um, but having a, an hour meeting on Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams just gets people more engaged. I mean, we've seen that uh, with simple things like elections. When you, when you can do something electronically, you get more people to participate. And so, you know, I could see us and keep staying hybrid as we go forward. I mean, that's what we did this fall, Scott, with your, Scott set up our, our TNTs, our Tuesday night trainings. We had what, four, four of them, I think, Scott, Yep. over the course of the fall, October, November. Um, and then we did those via Microsoft Teams. And then two weekends ago, we did uh, a return to an in-person uh fall clinic that we do for a couple of hours and, and gather people. We had a hundred and I think about 125 or 130 people show up at a local high school where we ran a bunch of different sessions um, from about eight to noon. Um, had some vendors there for people to buy stuff. Nice to see people. Hadn't seen some people in, you know, almost two years, I guess. Um, so I think that hybrid will probably be something that we continue to go, go with as we move forward, just because of the different levels of engagement. Yeah, and I, I would add, um, if you're having a, an event where you're going to have your officials come, we, we partner with some great vendors. We have officially sports out of Pittsburgh, which does all of our uniforms. But a couple of years ago, we decided to partner with a company that does shoes. And, and you know, there are more specialty with shoes now. 
And so we had Potomac River Running come in. They come in, they do a gate analysis. They provide officials with, you know, understanding what pronation looks like or overpronation and how it impacts their, the way they run and how to prevent injury. And they have all different kinds of styles. And so, you know, wherever you are, you probably have a place that does running shoes. I would, I would consider reaching out to them and partnering with them and getting them to come out because it was really uh, an eye opener for a lot of us that there's so much that goes into buying shoes. And if you're going to be running up and down the court, you're doing almost a 5k three to five nights a week at a minimum, you're, you're going to be, uh, you know, looking for shoes that you're going to be able to, to work with that won't, won't uh, have an impact negatively for you. So, um, so getting ready for the season, you know, we just talked about, you know, what we do from a training perspective, but there's other things out there. And I, I'll share one first, Adam, um, a good friend of, of ours is Greg Austin out in California. He runs a, a site called the better official, and he does a lot of stuff on YouTube. He does these great five play Fridays every Friday morning. Uh, I believe it's at 10 o'clock on the East coast, seven o'clock on the West coast. And he, he just looks at plays and he breaks down plays and there are people that get on there and they watch them. And it's just a, a great opportunity to have conversation about what we're seeing out there, what kind of plays are available and what are some of the things that we can learn from each other, because we may have different ways of, of officiating plays and, and calling certain things in different parts of the country. And um, Greg is just a great, great trainer and um, a good friend. And I, I, I think we should have him on the, the podcast one of these days, Adam, because he's just uh, a great uh, person to have as a, as a teaching person for anybody in basketball. So um, I don't know. What do you think, Adam? You got anything that, that sticks out to you? Uh, I mean, for me, I mean, I mean, Scott, you know, this, these days I hang up my whistle in March. And I don't pick it up again until uh, November. Um, that's been my standard for quite a few years now. And for me, getting ready for the season is really about getting out and refereeing scrimmages. I had my first one on Saturday. Uh, it's seeing plays. It's the, it's hard to simulate the physical movements that you, that you make on the basketball court as an official. Um, I go back to the days when, when I was going to camps years and years and years ago, I went to one of George Tolliver's camps and he told us his workout where he got in the gym and, uh, he would he would run from the the baseline. Sorry, Mike. The baseline. Uh, he'd sprint from the baseline to like the top of the key. He'd walk to the other top of the key, sprint to the baseline, then he'd do some different sprints full length of the court. So, like ultimately, twenty times up and down the court to try to simulate it as best he could. But for me, it's about getting out there and, and refereeing scrimmages, uh, seeing the plays. Um, you know, the movement on the court. I mean, we all know there's not much I can do with my mechanics because they suck. Um, so I'm not really focused on that. Um, I do. Re I know this is going to sound uh, uh, very odd to a lot of people, but I do read the rule book before the season begins. I typically read it three times a year uh, uh, before the season, middle of the season. And then again at the uh, or just before playoffs. Um, Cause I think it is important to, to read the rule book. Um, then we can get into sometime in another podcast about what one does with that knowledge. Um, but that's how I get ready for the season. Um, that's great. So, yeah. 
Well, before we get into our pet peeves, I think it might be good to maybe share um, some news. Uh, as many of you know, one of the sponsors of, of this podcast is the Steve Gordon Basketball Officials Camp, and you can visit the website at sgboc.com. And I just uh, have some breaking news that we have some camp dates that we are locked in for for next summer in 2022. Session one is going to be June 24th through 26th. And session two will be July 18th through 20th. It's held at Randolph-Macon College, and that's just outside of Richmond. So if you were out of town and looking to fly in, you probably want to fly into Richmond. Um, and uh, Steve and I are really excited to get this camp back up and running after missing the past two years because of COVID. And uh, not many college campuses were interested in people coming on their campus during this pandemic. So um, just a, a, a shout out to anybody that's interested in looking at a teaching camp. We are not a hiring camp. If you're coming to get hired, don't come. We, we want to teach. We teach three-person mechanics for anybody that is interested in either learning them fresh or maybe needs a refresher. Um, and we do everything for, for the National Federation. We don't use NCAA. We don't use the way that IVO does their switches. We use the National Federation. And that's how we teach everything that way. So if you're interested, sgboc.com, and you can feel free to spread the word. We'd love to have you. Um, I will tell you that both of these sessions will probably sell out pretty quickly. The goal is to get them live online uh, sometime before Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, I think uh, two years ago when we had it, we had to shut it down in February because we had so many uh, people. And then obviously we had to cancel the camp. So, um, but we're looking forward to having an opportunity to be back. And uh, we do have scholarships available in certain circumstances. So feel free to reach out and uh, you can contact me on that website. So, hey, Scott, if I can add in about the camp, um, you talked about three person, but if, if you're a high school official or an aspiring high school official and you've never worked three person before and you don't work it now, that, that shouldn't stop you from coming to this camp. Um, this is an incredible teaching camp. It's an incredible camp for first-time campers or even officials who've only officiated for a very short period of time, like a year or even less. Um, you will learn a lot. And um, the staff that, that Steve and, and Scott bring in um, and the work that they do, this is an incredible opportunity if you want to learn how to referee a basketball game at the high school level, regardless of whether it's two or three. So I highly encourage anybody who is looking for a first time camp to consider this one. And as Scott mentioned, if you're a, you know, if you're a, somebody who's refereed for three, four, five, six years, and, and, you know, you feel like you're stagnant or, or not moving along like you want to, this would also be a really good camp for you to come to. Yeah, I appreciate that, Adam. And, and look, we're trying to make it as economical as possible as well. When we were doing the two purse, uh, the, the two days, we only had, uh, I think it was $150 or $175. Now this is three days, and we're, we're only going up to $250. We have some expenses for staff and um, accommodations and things that come out of it, food and other things that we have to pay attention to for the campers. So, but we're still very economical at $250 for three days and two nights. Uh, we feel like there's not a better deal in town. So thanks 
let me share that. And I hope that we'll see some more people uh, that are new this year. So Adam Pet Peeves, you want to start or do you want me to go? Oh, Scott, I, I, uh, I have so many, you know, that um, I'll, I'll start with one where for me, and it's consistent throughout the year, but particularly this time of year, when we're, when we're starting, um, we're starting the season is remember, please remember that when you're on the court, you are a person and the people you are dealing with coaches and players are people too. Um, in terms of establishing rapport, establishing a relationship and communicating with them, not at them. We're not just a set of stripes with a whistle. Now, and, and kind of where I'm going with that is my, my pet peeve is when officials don't acknowledge players and coaches. Um, part of it is because they're, they don't know what to say or what to do, but you can't ignore them. Um, use your scrimmage time as an opportunity to kind of get out of your comfort zone, uh, learn how to uh, communicate with a player, with a coach, talking with them. And it doesn't even have to be about the game. You know, if, if, if you're rolling up like I did Saturday morning with a cup of coffee in my hand for a 10 o'clock scrimmage, and I got to see a couple of coaches that I hadn't seen in a while, particularly one I hadn't seen in two years. Yeah. It's okay to say hello. And uh, as we would say in New York kibitz a little bit, um, be a person out there, smile. It's okay to have fun. And we're not going to be laughing if we have to give somebody a technical foul uh, that comes at the bar afterwards, but you know, be a person, um, let your authentic, uh, you know, being come out so that you um, are comfortable, but, but just don't, ignore coaches and players. I don't think anything frustrates them more. Now, does that mean we're engaged in conversation all the time with them? Well, for me, probably yes, but for most people, no. Um, but talk to the kids. I mean, again, uh, especially the captains. Um, I talked about this at our, at our fall clinic. You know, one of my uh, techniques, and I forget who taught it to me, um, but when we have a pregame captains meeting, I do my very best to learn every captain's name because if I can call him, assuming his name is Jimmy and say, Hey, Jimmy, I need your help on something as opposed to, Hey, number 10, I'm going to get a little bit more mileage out of establishing a relationship with Jimmy than I am out of number 10. And so that's my pet peeve. And I have probably, you know, uh, 22 sub pet peeves of that topic, but I won't bore you with those today. <laughs> So I'll share my pet peeve is just understanding what consistency is. I think it's one of the things that we have a challenge with as officials. I think the coaches and Adam, you, I'm stealing your line here, have given up on us being consistent from one game to the next. And, and a lot of that just is because we have different officials working those games, but we should have consistency within the same game that we have. And one of the things that I noticed, I, I, I was on um, Greg Austin's Five Play for Friday this past week, and he was uh, showing a clip from this game where we had a blocking foul early in the game. And then he showed another clip from the same game towards the end of the game 
And it was a very similar block charge play, but there were two different plays. And the, the second one was definitely a player control foul. And the comment was, well, we called the blocking foul in the first minute of the game. And now we have similar contact and we're not calling a blocking foul at the end of the game. And my message is there's so much that happens between the first play and the last play of the game that when you start trying to reconnect the dots, you better remember that the, the, the plays and the contact and, you know, where everything happens is different. You know, in the, in the first play, it's, it's more of an A to B play where the, 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 the shooter has already alighted or jumped to go in for a shot. And then the defender goes from A to B and makes contact with the airborne player. Does he take it in the torso? Yes. But he did not maintain his legal learning position. Wherein the next play, the player started, maintained, did everything right, and took it right in the torso. And it should have been a player control foul. And we have people arguing, well, that's not what we called in the first play of the game. Just understand that we have different plays that happen. And my guess is if we had those two plays, we probably had four or five more block charge situations somewhere along in the game. So just, just know that a lot can happen between those two calls. A lot can happen with not only what you're calling, but what your partners are calling. Um, I always, Adam makes fun of me for calling it cataloging, but we, we want to make sure that we know what each other's called and we can put it in our memory bank for later on in the game. So that would be my pet peeve. And when we watch video, sometimes you have to remember that we're watching a play in a vacuum. We don't know what happened the previous trips down the court. We don't know if there was a similar play at one end or the other. So let's be more respectful of our, our fellow officials when we comment on these plays on these various social media sites. All right, Adam, we got mailbag. So I've got... I wonder uh, how old some of this mail is. <laughs> well, one, one, uh, one's new and, and one's relatively old, but um, Scott Grove out of Connecticut, who used to be in our association, Grover. Yeah. Um, he got married. Somebody actually married this guy. Yeah, I wouldn't. Mazel tov, Scott. Congratulations, brother. And, uh, you know, we know that you're happy. We know that you're. Uh, Wait, I thought you said he got married. Yeah. Well, he was happy. Okay. Um, the officiating career may be taking a dive now, but uh, congratulations again. You know, one of our favorite guys. And uh, we hope and wish you guys many, many years of success in your marriage. And then uh, I got an email from Jason Hayes of Washington, Missouri. He even starts out by saying, I'm one of the six. So maybe, a boy, Jason. maybe he knows he's maybe he knows more than we do. You say it's three. I, I thought it was closer to six. Most, but... pe most people do know more than we do. So Jason sent me a video clip and he said that he he's having uh, trouble, not him personally, but with us as officials. There was a rule change a couple of years ago with boxing out free throw shooters. And in this uh, clip, there was a play where the uh, free throw shooter uh, was boxed out. The, the defender who was in that last lane space closest to where the free throw shooter was not only broke the plane, but also made contact and dislodged the shooter. And he did the right thing in calling the foul, but he received a lot of grief from uh, others around. 
and even uh, I believe one of his partners even questioned him. So um, this this is a play. And Jason, I, I thank you for for reaching out to us and, and constantly asking me if we're going to have another podcast. We're definitely uh, going to work at trying to be a little bit more regular this season. I hope. Um, but you might uh, want to take some benefiber for that, Scott. Yeah, that, well, I do have some bad one. Um, but I think that there's some opportunities um, from a teaching standpoint on this kind of play and just how to have that conversation, especially with coaches. And, and Adam, obviously, you, you do a great job speaking with coaches. If a coach was going to question you about you calling this play, how would you approach it? Well, honestly, what I would say, and again, Jason, thanks for the question and I appreciate you, you know, you're listening to us because it can be very painful doing that. Um, I think before I'd make that call, the coach would know that I was going to make that call. And when I say that is it's probably not the first time that kid's done that. And so if we can do some preventative officiating, maybe the kid's broken the plane, the ball's gone in. We're going to tell the kid, Hey, you know, you can't, you cannot cross the free throw line uh, on that free throw to box out the, to box out the shooter. And if he doesn't listen or if he does it again, I'm probably going to say something to at least the assistant coach or the head coach, because that's just something that's a, a little out of the box in terms of that we call. It's not in the ordinary course of the game. And it's, and it's called so frequent infrequently that I wouldn't want the coach to know that, that to, to, to see or hear that the first time I blow the whistle to call. And so if I can set him up to knowing, Hey, I've warned your player. I've warned you. And so when I call it, he's not going to be surprised. We're going to complain about it. He might complain a little bit about it, but he's certainly not going to be surprised about it. So it's kind of like giving him a little bit of a forewarning um, that that's, that's about to happen. Unless it was something really egregious where he, I mean, the kid goes in and takes his ass and knocks the kid down to the ground. Then yeah, I'm not going to wait to, to, to warn him, but odds are you could have seen that coming before it happened. And I would even say from a teaching perspective, this is something you want to talk about in pregame because if you're in two-person, the trail is usually going to be chopping the clock, watching the backside of their side of the court for rebounding. So they're watching the ball in flight. And in three-person, our trail official can't just be asleep. We have to make sure our trail official stays engaged and helps on that free throw shooter because the center is going to be chopping the clock and has their whole side for rebounding. So I would just... I would just say to make sure you have that conversation because you don't want to get into a situation where um, nobody's looking at the play and, and it's because we just weren't prepared. Hey, hey Scott. So yeah. one, one of the many pet peeves that you and I share in common can perhaps be of use in this situation. Hmm. If we could get in a three person crew for sure, but even in a two, the trail to pay attention to what happens at the free throw line, the same way the trail and the slot do during a technical uh, foul shot, then we would really have that play covered. I think that that may be my second biggest pet peeve between that and different colored undershirts in the National Federation High School scholastic game. But yes, there's no reason if we're shooting a technical foul for the three of us to, I mean, we are going to kick ass on that shooter if he goes across the plane. But nobody's with the guys in the backcourt, especially if there's been a taunting situation. We'd, we'd rather watch that one guy shoot. So uh, Adam and I constantly shake our heads when we see something like that. So 
So I had him. We, yeah, somebody could up. somebody could stab in most free throw technical free throw situations. Somebody could stab somebody in the backcourt, and many crews wouldn't know it. <laughs> That's right. Oh man. So hey, look, our first one back, brother. It's uh, we're. I don't think we screwed up either. I don't think so either. But I mean, yeah. we're, we're thirty-six we plus few, minutes though. We still have a few mm-hmm. minutes left. We could screw it up. So I, I, I just want to um, share, and I'll let you chime in as well that uh you know we're a fraternity and when you have brothers and sisters and stripes that are dealing with uh different things in life we should we should all remember to have empathy for each other and one another and remember these kind of situations but um you know we had a hard year in our association losing two pillars of our organization with over 40 years experience um in joe salcetti and in Bill Naylor, who were dedicating this uh, first. Each of them with over 40 years of experience. Yes. Yes. And um, I just want to, you know, I want to say thank you to them and their families for allowing them to be able to be such great uh, officials and mentors and uh, just being who they are. And we could tell stories for days about each of them. And um, I just want to want to thank them publicly in front of uh, all six of our listeners and and thank them for everything. I don't know if you want to share anything, Adam. Yeah, no, both Joe and, and Bill were not only personal, uh, you know, mentors of mine. Uh, Joe's the one who got me started in high school basketball officiating. Um, I worked my first um, playoff game on the road with Bill um, down in Charlottesville. Uh, both of them were, you know, longtime leaders of the association serving on the board. Joe was the treasurer for 20 plus years. Um, You know, and it's, it's, again, it's the friendships that we develop over the course of time, uh, particularly in high school basketball officials associations or any other high school uh, uh, referee or officials association. And so, you know, cherish those moments, cherish those times. Uh, We have fond memories of both of them. Uh, We have some really funny stories about both of them. Um, they're probably both up there right now, uh, you know, getting ready to watch the season and, and make fun of all of us for the calls that we make and the calls that we don't make. So we're going to miss both of them dearly, uh, but we do stand on their shoulders as an association because they came before us and we're, we're you know, we're the concrete of Cardinal Basketball Officials Association. So we're going to miss you both, Joe and Bill. May you rest in peace. Well said. Well, if you've uh, enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating on wherever you're listening to it from. We appreciate you listening, and, and uh, we'll try to get another one here uh, in the next couple of weeks if we can. But as always, Adam, you have the last word. Um, thanks again for listening, and may this be the only inadvertent whistle in your day. Wash away all the pain of yesterday. I know my kingdom awaits. So strong, eh? I'm back, man. I'm feeling like there's nothing.